The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today, we radiate passion with Judy Wilkins-Smith, who is a highly regarded organizational, individual, and family patterns expert, a systemic executive coach, trainer, facilitator, thought partner, and leadership conference and motivational speaker with 18 years of expertise in assisting high-performance individuals, Fortune 500 executives, and legacy families to end limiting cycles and reframe challenges into lasting breakthroughs and peak performance. Judy is the author of Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint, a powerful guide to transformation through disentangling multi-generational patterns. Right up my alley. Hello, Judy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi. It is lovely to be with you, Christy. Oh my goodness. Your bio is um, full of like very large words that I'd been having trouble pronouncing <laughs> today, but I got through it. But this is fascinating stuff. I mean, and behind all of this, you're a constellations expert as well. And that is something near and dear to my heart. Um, so, but you've got this new book, Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint, a powerful guide to transformation through disentangling multi-generational patterns. What are these multi-generational patterns that we would want to disentangle? So this is this is constellations work as well, pure constellations as well. Things like, I've always been depressed. I've been depressed my whole life. I can't get out of being depressed. Or, you know what, I can never hold on to money. It comes in, it flies out, can't do anything for it, with it. Or in relationships, all the men in my life disappear. As soon as I've got one, boom, they're out the door. These, when you look at them, often originate in prior generations. And they cycle down. So so you have an event. The event creates a reaction. The reaction creates thoughts, feelings, actions, language, all of that stuff. And that's what I call your emotional DNA. And it cycles all the way down as a pattern that comes to you. What most people don't understand is the pattern is there for a reason. It needs you to look at it so it can stop. And it needs you to look at it so you can start the next pattern, which is the chapter that only you can write. And it's waiting for you. Oh, that is wonderful. So 
Um, tell us a bit about the constellations work. For those who've never heard of this, and no, it's not astrology, and it's not even astronomy. Yes, which is what I get asked all the time. Are you an astrologer? No, I'm not. However, if you were to compare it in astronomy or astrology, you have the stars, and each one has a very specific place that belongs to only them. No one else, no other star can be in that place. It belongs only to that star. And in constellations, we know that everybody has a place in the family system. You cannot not belong. It's impossible. Even if you don't know your family, you still belong. So that's systemic work in constellations. But a constellation itself is the kind of the breakthrough piece that Bert Hellinger originally moved into, borrowed bits from, from other really good therapists, and then it came out with his voice. And what he did was he would use live representatives for different parts of an issue. So I'm, I'm always depressed. Let's look at your mom, your dad, perhaps your grandmother or grandfather. Let's put up your siblings and you. So you have a live representative for each one, right? Which immediately gives you a 3D experience of everything you've been holding in here. And suddenly, and we know that we're very well able to transfer emotions onto other objects. And suddenly, who's standing in for you, you can, you can equate with mom, dad, sister, brother. And you start, I start to ask questions about that, and you see them either move or they may have something to say. But it's accurate information that serves the client. So what happens is, in the moment, they can see the pattern that, that's been created and how it's affecting them. And you'll, you'll see that physical jolt. And then as we work, they can see what else is possible. And you may see another physical jolt. And right there, what's happening is they are rewiring. They're rewiring the thoughts, the feelings, even the actions. And because it's in 3D and they can see it, feel it, taste it, touch it, and walk in it, it becomes a multi-sensational experience. And that allows you to have very different insights, which then form an embodied experience, which is what we all know as that aha moment. And it shifts very quickly. And what we found is that that, that tends to last. And of course, the more people plug into it, the longer it lasts, or it will change and evolve completely. At which point you've changed your library of thoughts, feelings, and actions, and you've started new emotional DNA, which looks at history a little differently and passes on the future completely differently. Oh, my goodness. And so this is done with actual family members? No, no, no. It's usually not done with family members. We have had some. I will seldom uh, allow them to represent themselves. I'll often have them represent somebody else, which again gives them a very different perspective, right? Because now they're standing in the shoes of another member of the family. So sometimes we'll do that. If that isn't 
available, which sometimes it is not. If I'm working with an executive and we're in an office, we use pieces of paper that I create in a way that makes them directional and they can get much the same sort of experience. So I have lots of executives who tell me you cannot solve this problem. I have that with individuals in constellations too, I have to say. And then within an hour, they're going, how is this possible? We haven't solved this for 10 years. And in an hour and a half, I got it. I know what to do. It's different. It's amazing. And so um, we're talking families um, and ancestors. Now, in your bio, it says that you assist high-performance individuals Fortune 500 executives, and legacy families. What does this mean, legacy families? Okay, so so what a legacy family is, is a very high-profile family. Some of the ones that you've you've heard of, the royal families or the, the ones that have got a really high profile and they've got all the money, but they're struggling with some part of their, their emotional DNA, and or some of them who are struggling with the, with how they deal with money, they will call me in and say, can you come work with us? So I've had the privilege of being with some very, very interesting and famous people. Well, that's interesting. And of course, famous people's problems are the same as everyone else. Exactly the same. I laugh every time somebody says, well, yeah, they've got it all together. I say, yep, I'm seeing them right after you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. So when you work with people in such a way, um, do you have them all in the same room? I mean, how does this work? Are some of them here, some of them there? How does that work? If it's a legacy family, typically what I'll do is I'll do a series of interviews with each member of the family. And then I'll ask exactly what it is we're working with. And then I'll work with, again, with each member of the family because they'll have a different perspective. And then we bring it all together. So all of the members of that family will come together in one place. Eventually. Eventually, yes. Truly. Yeah. And what we then do is instead of uh, necessarily representing them, we may then also use the pieces of paper that are created in a specific way because it allows each one of them to then see it from their perspective and add another piece or another dimension to that. Oh, I see. Well, that's fantastic. That's, that's very interesting. Okay. So, um, Working with family members and ancestors, people are fascinated with ancestry right now. We've got ancestry.com. We've got the, the, the uh, oh, I can't even remember uh, twenty three and me or something. Yeah, exactly. there are over a hundred million of them. Wow, wow, yes, over a hundred hundred million family trees. Right, built on ancestry.com, just in that one platform. But could we also research those family trees for emotional DNA? Absolutely. And here's the interesting thing. People clearly know. They know. I was watching Tracing Your Roots last night. Oh, yes. And, and people get really emotional when they discover they're connected. So that's number one. Because now they have a sense of, hey, this is where I belong. But what they don't have a sense of is, how does that matter? And why do the events matter? So a lot of what I teach and do is genealogy 2.0. In other words, how does, yes, you belong here. Let's have a look at the events. 
How do those affect you? How have they shaped the family system? How are you now in the middle of this going to shape it completely differently? And for whom or to whom do you owe thanks for what sometimes looks like a terrible event, but may have created DNA that cycles down to through to you as, I can't do this or we never have money to, you know what? I'm going to be the one who changes our money DNA. And it's an amazing thing because you can use all of that to have a very strong and profound life adventure, one that you never even saw coming. Right. So this emotional DNA, uh, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like emotional responses and emotional experiences that over time become solidified? Nicely put. So it's the thoughts, feelings, actions become patterns. The patterns become mindsets. The mindsets then become the truth. But it's not the truth. It's your truth. And you can change that truth anytime you want to. And that's where the magic happens. Oh, that's interesting. So how do we pass on the emotional DNA? Okay, so um, we have an event, we have the Great Depression, and, and actually I was talking about this in, in the piece I was writing. We have the Great Depression, and we have a couple of demographics that emerge. One is, be careful, make sure you've always got two of everything, eat when you can, don't waste, don't uh, keep your pennies together, and all of those those sayings and thoughts then become, I'm so afraid we could lose everything. I'm depressed. I don't know what to do. I feel hopeless. That is something that our children see and hear. And so that, that becomes, oh, so this is how we react around money. This is how we react in times of stress. And it becomes a pattern. Again, that becomes a mindset. So it echoes down and echoes down. So when, when you're talking to your children, it's all of the coulda, woulda, shouldas, don'ts, maybes, shan'ts, um, and all of the cautionary tales that we pass down. Now, sometimes we pass down very different DNA, which is, of course you can. We are all doctors. We're super smart. We know how to, to act under pressure. That's a very positive piece of emotional DNA, and you want to hold on to that. But so often all we're geared to do is look at all the negative ones coming and go, yeah, I'm a mess just like they are. No, you're not. You're holding what's come down. It's asking you to change it. Oh, goodness. Okay, so it's interesting how all of these things just kind of fit together because I'm a hypnotherapist. Totally. A Reiki master, and um, it comes up in hypnotherapy sessions that – yeah, the thoughts and beliefs that get passed down become yes. a template, become a blueprint. Just like Exactly right. It does become a blueprint. And, and the other piece that I love about it is if you did Ericksonian hypnotherapy, they used to always say to him, what do you make of it? And he said, it's not what I make of it. Clients make of it what they need. And we really, really are very good co-creators when we turn that on. So if we only listen to the the couldn't, shouldn't, wouldn't, and all the cautionaries, we think that's who we are. We are not. 
Right. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, okay. So this emotional DNA, is there any scientific evidence of this as there is for DNA DNA? Yes, there is. Well, let's put it that there is a great deal of research done. So if we talk scientifically, the first thing I would touch on is neuroscience. We know that the brain is neuroplastic. And by the way, you don't just inherit all of that. You inherit the family nervous system too. So your nervous system is keyed into theirs. But with one new thought, one new feeling, one new action, you wire that in and you believe it, which is the secret source for all of this work. What I believe becomes my truth, right? Mm -hmm. So if you sell yourself a good enough spell, or sell yourself a good enough change, that becomes the new truth. And scientifically, this they have shown with, with all of their brainwave studies. You can wire in the new reality, yes. The other piece that's super interesting is epigenetics. Because with epigenetics, you have events, significant events that impact the system and create an imprint that becomes a blueprint for generations of behavior. So with the great Dutch hunger winter, there were um, eating issues and weight issues that came out of the great Dutch hunger winter and passed down for generations. And that's been well studied. The other more recent one is 9-11. They've discovered that women who were pregnant with children have passed down the PTSD that the children are now exhibiting. And if you watch, it's very possible that that will travel down another generation or two until somebody stops it. What's happening is we've got this pattern that's sitting there and we haven't completed the pattern. We haven't closed it out. So it's still circulating with all of its thoughts, feelings and actions. When we close it out, we can see what else wants to emerge. So we have PTSD and it's circulating wildly and somebody comes along and goes, I don't want to get rattled like that anymore. I want to be happy. I don't want to look at a situation and be held hostage. I'm going to do it this way. And the minute they do that and they recognize the pattern that's held them hostage, the minute they can start pivoting to something completely different, one new thought, one new feeling, one new action at a time. And this has been well researched. So hopefully with uh, more study on this, we can understand the, that mind-body connection even more and how these long-held patterns and these, um, you know, I love your, your example of PTSD after 9-11, how we don't even have to ex experience these things when we can have the effects in our absolutely body. the holocaust is the other one of course where you still see people now deeply affected in a, in a negative way by what happened and so if that's happening it affects the body of course and it affects the mind and the mind is capable of rewiring the body so that the body can be positively affected Mm, right. Absolutely. Right. Well, even with the epigenetics, we can find um, siblings, twins even, who have the same, you know, genetics, but then one will have a genetic illness and then the other one will not experience it. Exactly. And if you listen to it, if you go and look, often they're telling themselves different stories. 
because we are the ones telling ourselves, I'm not good enough, I can't do this, this is terrible. We're the ones telling it and buying it. So one may have bought this piece and the other one buys this piece. Interesting. Now, I've heard tell that there are seven generations worth of DNA within the body. At least. At least. Is this true of the emotional DNA as well? We see it as at least seven generations and sometimes further. What we look at is often where it shows up as seven generations is if there was a significant and profound event, a murder, a, a holocaust, uh, so, something really big, a war, you'll find that echoing through. My hunch is that if we were to go and look, if we have the information, you're going to be able to trace many of the patterns that exist in you now all the way back. And um, interestingly enough, one of the things that, that has shown up is I've, I've also created constellations meditations. That's a world first and allows you to go through a constellation. There are two, the meditation of the father and the meditation of the mother. And it takes you into the line of the mother or into the line of the father and connects you all the way back. And I've had a lot of people say to me, it's very interesting. I've had very different feelings that I've gone and looked at and found patterns further back. Um, well, this is interesting because in some of the hypnosis work that I do, we go back generations to find the original point for some of these issues that we're having and then why we hold on to it. So, yeah. Yes. And for, for me, the, the holding on to it is simply what happens when you haven't seen the pattern. As soon as you can acknowledge the pattern and look at it, you can also give it its place and you can give it thanks because all of that went into creating you. And so then it's a question of from this pattern, what do I want to set down and what do I want to take with? That's the disentangling piece. What are we going to say, okay, it stops here. And what are we going to take with? And what are we going to change? Mm -hmm. Now, do you, I mean, you guide people through to make these discoveries and then do you offer like follow-up coaching or therapy to help people understand? Um, it depends. Seldom. What happens is at events, they will, they have a number of opportunities to do that. This is one modality when I talk to people, I say to them, if you need me, you know where I am. If, and people know very well, okay, I'm still stuck here or I'm still stuck here and they will come find me. By and large, if you've shifted, that shift is profound enough that it's either going to set you to the next level and you may come back or it's going to sit with you for a while and you're going to let that kind of unwind. But do I, I don't say to somebody, you need to come back. They, they pretty much know. We will, if we're doing individual sessions, I may say, okay, we got this far. There is still plenty. That's up to you. But do I have to handhold? No. People come into this modality, I think, 
able to look at it and see it and give themselves space to come back if they need to or space if they need to breathe a bit first. I've had people who've come back to me. I had one lady um, and she said, you don't understand. Suffering is how I connect with the divine. And I said to her, I'm, I'm not taking that away from you at all. I'm offering that there is another way to do that and maybe you want to become bilingual. You can really bliss your way into that connection too. And she went, yeah, 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 yeah. I think two years later, I mean, I'd forgotten about it, but two years later she walks into my office and she says to me, fine then, it works. And I was like, what? Well, I can do it joyfully. I figured it out. I was like, well, I'm glad. Now, what do you mean bilingual? Well, you can speak the language of suffering, but can you speak the language of joy, kindness, happiness, gratitude, transformation? Because both languages are available to you. Which one are you going to pick? Right. All about choice. It's very much about choice. We don't realize how much choice we have in how beautiful our worlds will be. We, in fact, we've got all the choice. And, you know, we have this choice at any moment of how we, how we, how we look at things, how we react to things, but then choice of language, too. Choice of language, choice of thoughts, feelings, and actions right now in the world, right now, is one of the most critical periods in history. And I'm, I can't state that enough. Right. Because right now, we've been through all sorts of changes and adaptations. There are all sorts of things happening out here. And what you think, what you feel, and how you act is about to become your future and your new truth. So be very aware. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Did you know that Radiate Wellness is more than just a podcast? That's right. We're also a comprehensive holistic wellness practice. Find out about our services, practitioners, and upcoming events at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. While you're there, visit our podcast page to read more about our great guests and even donate to the podcast. If you like our podcast, you can help in other ways as well, like subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening right now. Tell a friend, a family member, or a coworker about the great content you find here. And if you wouldn't mind, please give us a thumbs up, a five-star rating, or a positive review. Sounds like a small thing, but it really helps. You might like to know about our Facebook communities while we're at it. We have a free community, the Radiate Wellness Community, on Facebook for news and great free content. Our subscribers group is Radiate U, as in the letter U, but also, well, you. 
There you'll find curated replays of past classes, guest interviews, and more. And now, back to our podcast and back to our guest. So I'd like to turn back to your book, which is um, Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint, A Powerful Guide to Transformation Through Disentangling Multigenerational Patterns. So why did you feel like this book needed to be written, and how did you go about it? I wasn't the one who thought it needed to be written, in all honesty. I was going to do a little ebook for one of my clients or a couple of my clients. The students and participants in my classes and at my events were all going, we need the book, we need the book. And eventually I went, I will do a little ebook. And the little ebook took on a life of its own. And then the next thing I knew, they said to me, hey, Sounds True wants to publish your book. And I went, okay. And they said, do you know who that is? And I was like, no. <laughs> so it was this whole path of discovery. So that's how the book, that was one reason. But the other one was, I got awfully tired of people thinking that this was so mystical and so out of everybody's reach that transformation was only for the chosen few. It's not. It's for those who choose it. And last but not least, I really wanted to write something that anybody could pick up and go, oh, this is me, here are the patterns, I can find them this way, here's what I can do, oh my goodness, my life is changing. So a very practical guide to transformation. Yes, a very practical guide. In fact, part of this, you talk about mining for gold. Can you talk about that a bit? I can. So often you come in and, or people come in and they say to me, I'm a train wreck, I'm useless, um, I'm the one who's here because I can't get it together. And I go, okay, this is going to be interesting. Let's go and have a look. Well, look at this terrible thing that happened for me. And I say, okay, so let's look at this terrible thing. Do you, I had one who came in who said to me, I would love to be connected to my family, but I'm the family oddity. I can't connect because I'm the open hearted one. I, I love people. I love my children. They're very staunch. They're very, um, introvert. They they don't show much emotion. And growing up, all I ever got was just little drops of love. That was it. So I said, tell me about your parents and your grandparents. Holocaust. So I said, let's have a look. Were they afraid at all? They were terrified. They had to hide out to survive the Holocaust. So they had to be pretty staunch and there wasn't a lot of room for emotion. No, not at all. She says, I know there wasn't room for emotion and they said that a whole lot. So I said, and yet they gave you the tiny little bits that they had. They entrusted to you and look what you've done with them. Look what you've grown. You've grown those tiny little drops into something incredible. And she went, Oh my goodness, I, I never could have looked at it that way. So it's looking for that piece of gold because in every so-called train wreck, there is always, always a piece of gold waiting for you. And it's the nugget that allows you to form the next pattern that's trying to emerge. And the, uh, it enables you to write the chapter that only you can write. All right, so mining for gold. I mean, there's gold in everything. And I mean, this is kind of my 
my philosophy too when working with clients that you know this can happen to you or it ha can happen for you very much so very much so we're we're born again it's in the book but we're born with a full set of language a half of the language is you can't you don't you shouldn't you mustn't you're stupid you should suffer we're all sinners and so we buy that because that's the language that we were raised on but there is another half of the language of course you can you're perfectly capable you're a really strong co-creator you're master of your thoughts when you choose you can have what you want that's the one that we're not fully taught when we start to wire that into our brain everything changes when you realize of course i can everything changes well how can we wire that into the brain it's looking at when you say i can't you know what money is a problem for me write down your thoughts your feelings and your actions around money yeah. then ask yourself who else in the family struggled with that who said that first where did my thoughts and feelings originate was it an event of my own or is it further back in the family system is that really the truth well of course it's the truth look at me with my money no i've created those thoughts what's going to happen if i look at money and say i want to be friends with you i need to understand you more of course i could put away $5 or $10 a month and when i do i could and then write down so when you start to tell yourself the coulds around it what are your thoughts what are your feelings what are your actions and we see this all the time you you hear about people who've struggled and then suddenly paid off $20,000 in student debt how they do that they first had to change their mindset the minute they did that and they started empowering themselves they found the frontal lobe lit up and said well good let's go and find the ways we can do that and they got super creative and made it happen that's wonderful. So, so let's turn now to systemic work and constellations and relationship patterns. Lots of them. Yeah. What would you like to know? <laughs> okay, well let's let's start with relationship patterns. Tons of them. Most of the relationships you have are based on those who came before you. Right. Unless unless you've looked at it and gone i don't like that i'm doing it differently in which case thank what you didn't like because it's ignited you to do something different so there is always a good reason to thank what came before you so if you've seen mom grandma great grandma all got divorced and you're so, you you can feel yourself kind of starting to struggle a bit and by the way in constellations work as you probably know it's often around the same age as it was for mom or grandma or great grandma this travels to the pattern of age you look at and you go i'm getting a little bit antsy maybe there's something wrong with him if you look at the pattern and go whoa i'm going to be a fourth generation and you really look and go maybe there's something wrong in this pattern or maybe it's a pattern i don't want for the first time a man in the system in four generations may be looked at very differently and with kinder eyes you may be the one who looks at it and goes you know what men are delicious 
and I'm keeping mine and I want this. Now you've just begun to switch it up. And what you'll do is instead of finding reasons to follow, you'll find reasons to love and to stay. So that's just one, but, but all of them, relationship patterns at work, how you react to mom and dad is going to affect how you react to authority at work. I've had people who say, I will not take it from my boss. And the first thing I ask him is, good, so you can't take it, which includes nurturing, which one of your parents couldn't you take life from? Or couldn't you take things from? Oh, well, it's Yep, and now your boss is getting it because you haven't resolved that here. So it's bleeding over into your organizational patterns and into your career because those are the big two. Your career or organization and families are the ones who borrow from each other to sort things out. So you didn't sort it out with mom and dad. You're getting a chance here. Now, the most important thing for people to realize when they reject their parents is that not only does it affect their, their all of their other relationships, but it doesn't make you good. It doesn't make you bad if you reject your parents. What it does do is it cuts you off from the information that they have in their system that you need for you to grow fully. And it sounds like it's rejecting the parents it's rejecting the patterns it, well it's it's pretty much rejecting the patterns you're 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 right mom wasn't there for me is really why wasn't mom there for me where was she we don't think to ask that question where was she if she wasn't there for me is this a pattern in the family mm -hmm. where did that come from how is it affecting me do i want it to affect my daughter or my son Right, right, absolutely. And then we can make changes accordingly. Absolutely. In fact, I had I had one guy who was beautiful. He said, I will not look at my father. He was a terrible man. And I had this representative for his father in front of him. I'm not. And I will not tell him I acknowledge him as part of my system. And I said, that's not a problem. Do you have any kids? And he said, yeah, I've got two sons. So I took two representatives for the sons and I said to him, okay, now I want you to turn around and look at the sons. So he looks at the sons. I said, tell them which one of them you're condemning to reject you to because it's about to hit one of them. And he went, oh, fine. I see you. Turns back to dad and he goes, I can see you then. And how did that shift for, for him? It shifted him completely because then he was willing to look at where did dad come from? We so often forget that our parents are people also having an adventure. And he could look and see how it had happened and why. And so the anger became compassion and insight. And he wound up at the end of the constellation in tears saying to his sons, I don't want that for you. I see you both and you don't need to reject me. I'm looking at my father so you can look at me. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm going to start getting emotional here. That's really beautiful. Uh, I think if he would have started off with that mindset, it, everything would have shifted for him so much. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sad because there's so many years he missed out with his father. That Yes. And imagine if he'd never gotten that. Right. 
Yes, if he had never gotten that. And then he would have repeated the, the pattern with his sons. Exactly. And he had his father to thank because he came in to work on that. And I said to him, you've got a lot to thank your father for. And he went, what? I said, if he hadn't have made you so mad and so sad, would you ever have looked at this? Okay. <laughs> so many of us are here on the planet at this time to heal these patterns and put a rest to them for once and for all. And to start new ones. Start new ones. And to start new ones. Now, are you finding that there, this is widespread people acknowledging these patterns and saying, I want to stop them. And why that, why do you think that would be? Um, I don't know that it's widespread exactly that way. It could be, but more what you're going to hear is I'm so frustrated. I can't get ahead in life. I'm stuck. That's what I hear a lot. And then they'll say, well, this, I, I need to, I need to do something different. Okay. So then what do we need to stop so that different can come? And that's often how it will begin. Oh, interesting. Okay. Very interesting. And so how can we best identify these inherited relationship patterns that we're carrying? Okay. Any of, any of the patterns that you're carrying, there are a couple of good ways to recognize them. Number one is if you know you're doing it like a parent, okay, or, or an aunt or whatever it is. Oh, if I'm repeating them, there's a pattern. That's, so that's one. The other one is a hyper reaction to something that normally really you wouldn't react to. Right. You know, like how dare you read the newspaper at, at the table? I'm going to kill you is not really your normal reaction. So if you have any or, or with money, you spent a dollar without speaking to me. How dare you? Okay we have some sort of a pattern going on here that really needs to be looked at and wants to stop. So those are your two big ones. And then even um, hyperbolic language. I had a woman who came in who said to me, oh my goodness, I'm so glad to see you. You can't believe what this morning was like. It was a total catastrophe. I was almost decimated. My my boss put me on the cross and I looked at her and I said to her, what happened? She said, well, I was a little late for work and my boss was annoyed. And I said to her, okay, that's not what you came in with. Where is the big explosive event in your life? And she went, oh, well, I, my mother and I outran a volcano. My brother and father did not. So it lives there in our language. We are literally talking about what lives in our systems all day long in the things that we say or, or act upon. You can see it. If you watch people and listen to them, you'll hear their system trying to make them aware of the patterns. So pay attention. When you find yourself saying idiosyncratic things, like, um, my heart is going to explode, and you say it all the time, ask whose heart did and why it is that you're carrying that because it lives in the language. It's fascinating. I've got a master's in linguistics, by the way. So language. Oh, you will love that. I, I do a lot. That is fascinating. And 
maybe after this interview, you can send me a few books or articles about that. I'd love to read it. I think I'm probably writing the books about it. You don't, you don't, it isn't spoken about much, but it is very clear. That is fascinating. You know, and in my sessions, I'm listening to what people repeat and the things that they're not. Absolutely. That's the other one. Repetitive language, right? Mm -hmm. Or hot language. But now what you want to do in your session is ask them who said that first or where did you first hear that? Yes. And what was happening in your life at the time? Because they've taken it at a specific time and they've said, oh, my goodness, that's the truth. Boom. And they've rewired it instantly. And in a trauma, you know this, you can you can lay down a neural pathway that fast. But what we don't realize is there is an antidote for that, that you can lay down equally quickly. And you can also lay down a next step up or a next level up equally fast if you use elevated language in, and emotions and, re, and rewire the pattern. Can you give me an example of that elevated power and emotions? Yes. Um, so think about the other one where you're saying, I'm stupid, I'm hopeless, I can't do this, and I know it. I know I'm a mess. And you feel it. And you know it in your, in your core. Well, there are other times when you look at something, you walk in and you do a piece of work or you have something incredible that happens in your life and all you could do is go, oh my God, that just happened. I, I'm capable. I, I did that. You know what? If I do that again and again, I wonder what I could do with this. Oh my goodness, I've just uncovered something new that is going to be a talent for me. It's going to be a You're literally talking yourself into the elevated emotion, the gratitude, which shifts everything, the kindness that comes with it. Your heart is opening. And here's the deal. When your brain and your heart connect and your gut connects, in other words, instead of being tense, it relaxes. It mm -hmm. creates an, an electric cohesion. And now you're in that elevated state where what you tell yourself, you're going to wire into your brain. It's going to echo in your heart. Your gut's going to accept that. And that's going to become your new mindset and pattern. And when you do it and you do it in that state of mind, which is what happens in a constellation, it wires in that quickly. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Now, you teach constellation work. I do. I teach systemic work and constellations, which is the thoughts, the feelings, the actions. And then what I do that is, and again, I don't know, I can only speak for what I do, is when we've done a constellation, the client leaves the room. Now, I teach everybody the framework of a constellation. So what did you spot going in? What are, which of the three principles? Because there are three basic principles. Which of the principles was it? How did you hear that throughout? Where did you see a pivot point? When did you notice a visceral reaction for the client? What did you notice that changed in their language or their body? How did you notice the constellation complete? Are there any other questions about a different way that might have happened? Do you see any pieces that will need to be either a next piece of work or further down the line? So they really get to understand the nuts and bolts of what a constellation is and isn't and how to work with it for themselves. So when they walk out, 
They know how to set up a basic constellation. They know how to use it in their practice. So yeah, I'm, I'm probably known as a common sense grounded constellations teacher. I want people to know what they're dealing with. They need to understand it so they can fully absorb it and use it. Which, by the way, people have said to me, but doesn't that make it mechanical? If they come to one of my events, they will see no. The, the transformation happens, boom. But the beauty is that those who are watching are then able to dissect and, and also take pieces for themselves, which they do. Right. And so what is the difference between this constellation work and the systemic work? Okay, so systemic work is they're together. They, they actually belong together. But systemic work is the study of you within the system or you within the, the family. And again, what are we hearing? Like you said, you do with your hypno hypnotherapy. What am I hearing? Who does that relate to? Who does it belong to? Where did it originate? What did it create? What are the costs? What are the benefits? Now, the beauty of that is you can also use it in business as a gap analysis mechanism. It's a very effective gap analysis mechanism. Tell me a bit about, I want to make sure I'm understanding that. Sure. So if I walk into uh, an organization and they say, we're really having problems getting people engaged, or we're really having problems launching this particular product. Product. What I'll say to them is, I want to hear the whole history. I want to hear the history of the product. I want to hear what people are saying about it, thinking about it, feeling about it. What are the actions you've taken? The minute we can chart those and plot them, and that's usually using pieces of paper, people can look and they go, you know what it is? We haven't put this piece in, or we've got too much of that piece oh my goodness, we've got the team sitting over here where it should be here in the flow. So you can use it as a, as a gap analysis and flow mechanism. It's really effective. Right. And sometimes we do just need to see these things in motion, put them in their proper place visually. Absolutely. And it's, it's not even just visually. Visually is a big one. But the minute I can say to the CFO or CEO I'm working with, I want you to step through it, walk on the pieces of paper, tell me just what's happening if you look at it from a business perspective. They key into that gut very quickly and they say, no, 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 this needs to shift or that needs to go here. So really it's like being a 3D architect in a sense or a 3D designer and they can see it, then then they can start to feel it because they'll go, that's it, that's that's it. So now they've got the gut playing in as well. And they'll say, you know what, as I'm listening to myself, so now they've got the audio coming in. And because they're connecting with it by standing on it, they've got the kinesthetic piece. So you've got your multisensorial input that's giving you insights you would not have just here. Plus, they can see the connections and the disconnects. Wow. That is amazing. Um, all right. Well, um, we've been talking for quite a while now. We've been having fun. Lots of fun. Lots of fun. I tell you, I'm just fascinated. Where can we go to find out more information? Uh, you would go to my website, Judy Wilkins-Smith. 
Mm-hmm. And you can also, for the book, it's Barnes & Noble, it's Amazon, it's all of those. Right. But there's a lot of information on my website. It tells people the events that are happening. It's got the meditations. It's got the book. So that's where you would go. Wonderful. And the book, again, is Your Emotional Blueprint. Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint, yes. Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Judy Wilkins-Smith, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, It's so strange about the ghosts in the machine. I'm sure we can edit all of that out. (laughs) You know, there is a thing called the ghost in your genes, right? They know when to pop in. I have not, no. Okay, maybe we're not finished. Tell me about that, Ghost in Your Genes. I I believe that is Dawson Church's book called The Ghost in Your Genes. And he talks a little bit about epigenetics, as I recall. There's a lot. There are a lot of ghosts in your genes waiting to serve you. I think the other thing that's super important is your family systems your systems are always in service of you. They always were and they always will be. When you recognize that, you will never be stuck. Oh, my goodness. That is beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much. Again, I, I think this has been very informative. I think we could talk for hours and never get to the end of it. So um, I should probably have you on again at some point. That would be lovely. I would love to come and talk with you again. Super. Thank you, Judy. Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.